Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Archives for Aliens, the podcast recorded for future life on Earth. Planet Earth. Consciousness. Creativity. The nature of reality. Cool people making things and life outside the box. This week, I'm here talking with Nicole Cooper, who's a fellow artist and a friend of mine. We're going to be talking about painting, sustainability, and transformation as you learn how art can become a vessel for change. This is a really inside look at Nicole's art practice, and you'll get to hear about what it was like preparing for not just one, but two solo shows in the midst of a pandemic. Find out how her paintings relate to our current climate and our culture. And this episode is packed with lots of inspiration and ideas for visual artists trying to navigate their personal art practice and the art world. Before you listen to this episode, please, please, please take a look at Nicole's paintings. I think you will really get more out of the discussion if you do. You can find those at NicoleCooperArtists.com. The link is right in the show notes, so you should be able to click on it. Just check them out just for a couple minutes before we get into it here so you know what we're talking about. All right. Enjoy. So here's your official welcome to Woo-hoo. Archives for Aliens, the podcast recorded for future life on Earth. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. We're going to start today uh, with a random image deck. Oh, yay. And I'm just going to shuffle the cards. All right. And once we get card, you can describe what you see and anything that comes to mind. Okay. This is what you've oh, got. Liney. <laughs> it's very liney. Um, I'm looking at a... This is a lovely image of um, sort of like rainbow lines that blend into one another. Um, and they're layered in different ways. But there's no red. It's a yellow, green, blue, maybe a little violet. And uh, it makes me think of... Um, um, like DNA chains, you know, when people look at like DNA chains a little bit, except that has other colors. Yeah. Huh. So this is graffiti, I guess. It's very cool. Thank you. <laughs> Do you think this relates to something that you're going to talk about tonight? Sure. Sure. Maybe a little here and there. <laughs> Any ideas? Maybe on the DNA? I can yeah, see yeah, that in your paintings. I, yeah, because yeah, I definitely look at... Um, I look at, um, not specifically at DNA, but I, I um, do a lot of research and reading. I'm not a scientist necessarily, but I'm fascinated by science and the body and uh, evolution and how um, uh, how we evolve and how DNA kind of unravels and re-ravels as we uh, are, are, uh, grow and are born and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was wanting to ask you about that because I know you research a lot of things. Uh, What's the order of events? Do you research things and then become inspired to do a painting? Or are you working (laughs) on a painting and then you have to go back and It's a mixture. It's totally a mixture of both. It's um, When I started the series a while back, um, 
probably I probably started. So the series I'm working on, um, it's called it's called The Body in Bloom. But I'm even evolving past that a little bit. Sorry, that's me spraying my hands for sanitizer. <clears throat> yeah, so the series is called uh, The Body in Bloom, but I think it's even evolving past that. And when I started it back in 2012, maybe or so, um, I was really just looking at, uh, I was really interested in the human form and anatomy, um, looking at like sea creatures and those kind of things. Um, I was interested in, like forces and the like life force. And so um, I was looking at a lot of images of like sea creatures and like blooms and fun fungus, you know, like small forms. And um, it really just inspired me to investigate further and uh, open the body and start looking at the, the forms inside. Cause um, like, for instance, when I was looking at um, sea creatures, like a, a jellyfish kind of looks like intestines or sometimes the way they move look kind of like how, how breathing feels. Anyway, so it's not, you know, not directly breath or the organs of these uh, creatures. But, um, yeah, just noticing the way that these things moved and how they related to feeling in the body, in a sense. And, um, yeah, and so thinking about oceans and ecosystems, um, yeah, seeing how all the creatures kind of come together and work. You know, like in a coral reef, right, you have... Um, you have the corals that provide food and shelter for these like fish. And then there's these big fish, they did off of those fish. And there's like, you know, it goes very, very broad. And then also very like narrow. It's just this whole um, cycle of life. And so when I look at the body, <clears throat> then I started opening up the body and looking at anatomy and relating all these things, seeing the inside of the body, like an ecosystem, you know, like everything kind of moves together and works together in, to sustain life. And both of them are different um, you know, both say an ocean ecosystem and your body are um, just different scales of that we consider life. Yeah, I mean, I definitely <laughs> fully agree with you there. You know, I study a lot of patterns, too. But what I think is super interesting about what you do in your work is it's almost like there's different periods of time shown in one painting. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you do on purpose? It is. Yes, for sure. Well, thinking about you know, when you start reading about biology and you start reading about, you know, I was reading biology, some anthropology, some um, uh, micro about your microbiome, um, paleontology. <laughs> when you look at life on these really massive scales, it's just it's just amazing at how we're connected. Like every single creature is, you know, connected physically at some point to each other creature. And, you know, life only comes from life. So it's passed down literally generation to generation to generation. And so we're a part of this big, I guess, web, web of life, you could say. And so I do try to break down um, time in that sense in paintings. Like I have a, a large painting called Woven in Time. And um, in it, I really wanted to capture this uh, force, flesh and, and life as a force moving forward. And so that's a, t it's a 10 foot painting by five feet tall. It's on three panels. And uh, it's this big wave that moves across, you know, like the, the color and some of the um, forms in there. Yeah, they have this big like wave moving. And, uh, but within that is actually also figures. It goes figure to figure to figure to figure. Um, so thinking about life being passed down from maybe, you know, from generation to generation over maybe, maybe perhaps it's millions of years. <laughs> perhaps it's, you know, a hundred years. Um, no, actually in that one, I was, I was actually reading about, um, 
I was reading a book at the time called uh, The Seven Daughters of Eve. That's what it was called. And this comes back to our genetics talk. Uh, in that book, it was a it was written by the scientist who proved the accuracy of using mitochondrial DNA to trace human lineage. And it was, I mean, it's written, it's been, you know, 10, 15 years since it was published. So I'm sure we have different advances now. But um, yeah, it was super interesting because he really did break down like, here's what a chain of DNA looks like, you know, and here's what I was studying. And, you know, he's like, he was basically looking at this one piece of DNA and it's mitochondrial DNA, which is only traced through women in history, just that's the nature of it. And so you can, everybody alive today can trace their lineage back to seven women in history. And I thought that was mind-blowingly amazing. And so this painting was inspired by um, thinking about maybe the first, the first woman who had this certain mutation in her. And it, um, and so in the, in the painting, so the painting, if you look at it from, as a timeline from left to right, the figures on the left are mostly like yellows, greens, uh, those kind of tones. And I introduced the color red, thinking about it being like a mutation in that particular person. And then it weaves uh, forward across the canvas into the rest of the figures in the foreground, in the, uh, to the right. So in the future, I guess you could say. And, uh, and they become more and more red. And I just, yeah, and even kind of like orange and kind of glowing. But I was looking at the way that kind of fascinated with the way that um, evolution happens, the subtlety in evolution. It's uh, really inspiring. <laughs> so that, that painting was really thinking about um, like a little tiny change in history and how it affects everything in front of it. Um, and in looking at it like that, uh, it really, uh, I think one of the questions you would ask is, if you had any experiences that um, influenced the work and the paintings themselves actually influence. Um, like I had moments in that painting where I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Oh, if life is moving this way, um, time is sort of weaving down, you know, so I have all these drips. I actually literally got this little squeezy bottle with drippy paint and I dripped paint down vertically in the canvas. So you have all these um, painted forms weaving from left to right across uh, connecting all the figures. And then you have these verticals um, dripping downward that are like weaving them into their time and place. And so that was my epiphany that is, in that painting. This is crazy. <laughs> so your paintings are actually like almost like literal timelines. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Definitely I recommend that everyone should go take a look at the paintings <laughs> before proceeding in the conversation here. Yeah, that one was woven in time. But I do use timelines and, and some of the work. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I've always thought that, but I was never sure mm -hmm. if, you know, if I was just thinking that. So that's really interesting to hear. I'm glad you picked up on it, actually. It's good to, good to know that <laughs> that message is in there. Yeah, especially you have one with an ear. Mm -hmm. And the ear is like dragged across this really yeah. long uh, landscape type canvas. Yes. Oh, I know the piece. Um, yeah. That one is called Ancient Roots. And it, it uh, so I, I actually look at the ear a lot because I read another, I read, I read a book <laughs> and it inspired an idea. So I, this time I had read probably the most impactful book um, that I read really early on was called Your Inner Fish by Neil Shubin. Uh, and he, he has quite a few books that are, I haven't read all of them, but they're, uh, he has a really good 
knack for explaining um, biology simply and breaking it down. Um, and I'm not, you know, a biology expert. Um, so it really might helped be me. by now, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit here and there. I'm a little out of the loop on on. Uh, I haven't been able to keep up with reading lately, but uh, I do plan on getting back into it. Yeah. But in, in that so in that piece and uh, there's this concept that Neil Shubin talks about with. Um, uh, so he's comparing the structures of our heads with ancient fish. There's actual structures inside of our 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 whole body, actually, our whole body, duh, of course. But um, the example that he gave was um, there's these bones in our inner ear, you know, the um, what is it, the malleus and the incus and the uh, sta uh, what's the name of it, stapes or something. Um, these bones, like you can you can actually look at skeletons of you know humans back to mammals back to reptile. You know, you can look through time and you see that this these these three little bones move. And um, they actually move down and they become a jaw in an ancient fish. <laughs> um, so just seeing that like placement um, was interesting. But he goes even further to say like, well, you can tell that we're not like necessarily intelligently designed because the movement of those bones through evolution is the only way you can explain this like torturous route that the trigeminal nerve makes through your head because it goes like... The, it, uh, you can't see me, but um, yeah, it goes like out of your brain and up around your ear. And then it innervates like instead of going and in, innervating in one part of your face, it innervates like a lot of different parts down in your chin. I think it goes down in your neck a little bit. And so I was just really fascinated by this um, and thinking about the relationship of us to these ancient fish, millions of years to these ancient fish. And it's it's sort of drives why we look like what we do today. And so a lot of times with my paintings, um, the ear, you know, if you're looking at the head from the side, you know, first off, the ear kind of, um, the shape of it can kind of look like a gill sometimes. So a lot of times I repeat it um, and it has this like gilly sort of look, but it also is like a resonation, you know, it's a resonation line. Um, and uh, yeah, I just continue to come back to it as this, um, piece of anatomy that helped me really unlock some uh, connections, like physical connections, you know, physical connections that we can see to today fish. to, yeah, some, some other creature. Hmm. I'm wondering how all of this relates to how you view reality in general, which is <laughs> our usual typical uh -huh. get to know you question. Yeah. So um, what do I believe about the nature of reality? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have like a formal philosophy on it. And I, I feel like I kind of hint at it and explore it through anatomy, research, painting, meditation, that sort of jumble of things. Um, but I definitely believe that we're connected. And, um, <clears throat> and some of my paintings serve to just show that we have sort of a shared life, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you, that, you know, like, how do I describe this? If you break down between like, you know, mother to child to, you know, then she has a child and she has a child, and you have this whole generational lineage. There's one point where you're literally connected to all of those people, you know, because you live inside your 
mother. And actually, I found out if you're if you were female and you're living inside and you're born from your mother, well, you were an egg in your mother's and your mother as a fetus <laughs> inside your grandmother, technically, because when you're born with all the eggs that you have, right? As a baby, oh, you have all the eggs. You have. I've never thought about so that. So you're literally inside your grandmother at some point in history, and it's this like holy cow. <laughs> but you're not. You're nothing yet. You're just this little cell. And it's a yeah, yeah. All these these big That's vast really questions down to tiny. Qu these are all the things that keep me painting. <laughs> yeah, you're. You're. Uh, I read a book, another book. Right, it was about drumming actually, and the history of women and drumming. And um, it was her. I don't, I don't claim responsibility for that knowledge. She um, I had to find her name. She wrote a book on drumming and it was a quote from her. Um, yeah, she said, you resonate with your grandmother or something like that at the point that you're. Yeah. Anyway, so but you have all these resonations. <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Things that your grandmother, your mom, I guess just your mom's mom. Yeah, they would have to be. Yeah. So things that she was doing in her life could have possibly affected your life. Possibly, like the yeah. The music that she listened to, the food that she ate, Maybe. the people that she was around. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know if it goes as far as that for sure. I, I no idea, but I know that that is darn interesting. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, then. So, like, how far back? <laughs> how far back are we really connected? You know, like we. We exist in our bodies and we experience the world through our senses, but there's points where we are life and alive without senses. So that's, um, that's a thinker. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good one to think about. Do you, so do you, you mentioned meditation. Do you <laughs> meditate or do you consider your painting practice a meditation or both? It's, it's, uh, I do, I do meditate outside of that, but it's, um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like good at it. <laughs> it's it's uh, I have an app and you know it has some stuff. Yeah, I, I occasionally will meditate. Um, I try to do it when. Um, well, I try to be consistent with it if I can, but it that doesn't always work. It, it happens in phases, like most things, <laughs> you know, yeah. phases. But um, yeah, I try to do it when there's a big decision that needs to be made to give yourself a little bit of like peace and quiet to just you know, calm yourself before you make a big decision or, you know, yeah. Do you have any other kinds of practices or hobbies that help keep you in balance? Because I know it's a lot being an artist and balancing normal yeah. life. I don't have any secrets on that. So balance. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would like to talk about this a little bit because I think there's for anybody who's not an artist mm -hmm. listening to this podcast, um, it's pretty amazing what artists do. And I'm not just saying like me, you know, like artists remain creative all the time, like always. Like, you know, artists maintain day jobs while also still finding the time and energy to like dedicate to making things. And um and while they're doing all of that stuff, um, still having to balance, you know, family life, uh, health. Um, health, I think, is a big topic. Like, I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit with, um, um, I think, actually, yeah, we were just talking about phases. 
I think for my art practice, I have to tackle things in phases. Hmm. Um, you know, I have a phase where I'm like working voraciously and painting and making and figuring out the next thing and moving. Um, well, I still have a day job too, um, which is awesome. I'm actually, I actually have a really cool day job, uh, which I can talk about here in a yeah, little bit because it really, it totally ties into, yeah, I've like totally shifted my life in a way where I, I'm trying to live by my values. And um, yeah, but so, yeah, so I don't know, a lot of artists, they're like, oh, you're so organized. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really that organized. You seem really organized to me every every time I've seen you do anything. <laughs> I have this like the magic appearance. That's my special part. I have a magic appearance of, of being super organized. <laughs> and I and I am to to an extent, but it, like I feel like organization you get it together and then it breaks. And then you got to get it together again and then it breaks and you got to get it it's like it's like um organization but it's like you have to build in failure to it mm -hmm. that's the secret <laughs> failure in your organization and being able to uh reorganize but yeah yeah um I definitely kind of like have these buckets of things that I do in my life and there's um a lot of times artists in general are just spread really thin you know like a sponge that's like stretched and like squeezed into a lot of buckets <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's a lot of the time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got a podcast to run. You've got like an art practice. I mean, like, yeah, it's balance is crazy. It's just crazy. I don't know if it's something ever anybody achieves at one point in their life. But Can you talk a little bit more about the phases? I'm interested in your yeah. workflow. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I kind of find that I have, and I'm actually, I can even talk about the phase I'm in now. Um, I definitely feel like the, the way that I need to work is um, I have like kind of an experimental period where I get in my studio and I'm like playing with different materials or, you know, I'm just kind of smushing some paint around or um, just kind of playing and thinking and sketchbooking and writing. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and actually my, Sketchbook is not really any, it's it's more writing and like little sketches that have a lot of writing around them. <laughs> like this could be this and that could be that. and But it needs to be big because it should be the sky. Like stupid, stupid stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I kind of start with that and then I get, you know, sparked by something and then I decide on the things that I want to really like push into paintings. And yeah. then, you know, what I'm reading obviously really influences that. Um like I, I have a subscription to Scientific American. I actually, this is maybe blasphemous to a lot of artists out there. I um, didn't renew my subscription to Art in America, and I renewed my subscription. Got a subscription to uh, 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 Scientific American because <laughs> that's just where my head was, you know, for a long time. And uh, yeah, that's just that's kind of a thinking flow. And then uh, at that point, I usually have a solo show lined up, and I'm like. I really got to get it together and I map out the solo show and I figure out how many, how many pieces that I want to put into it. Um, what I want to, you know, how that fits in with what I want to paint. Cause I paint large with a lot of paintings. Um, but then there's some that can be small and um, like it's, it's real variety. Uh, and the larger paintings obviously take more time. So I almost have to pinpoint, okay, here's my show. And then I work backwards with my schedule 
and it never quite works out like I want. And I'm always like staying up late and like cramming hours in the studio and working, but it seems to work. It seems to still like come together um, somehow. <laughs> yeah. And then you enter, and then after that, so that's phase one, right, is frantic working and, and pushing. And then uh, once you get close to a show, you have marketing, marketing period. So, mm. you know, out of studio, which is kind of good, because at that point, you need a little bit of a, like, break. Um, and then you go into marketing mode, which I, I do marketing as a day job as well. So, like, um, yeah, I already usually have a, a base to work with there. Um, yeah, and then it's creating you know, event invites and Calendly links and um, uh, uh, press releases. And um, it's like all, all the stuff that that you need to do, really, it's a lot of computer work. So it's less studio time, but it's more of that because you need to focus at that point because you need to get people interested in the show, you know, or um, sending emails. And it's, and it's a, a whole lot of stuff. show going on right now. I do. Yeah, yeah. It'll probably by the time this airs, it'll be down. But I am going to cut a video. I went and got a couple of things. So on God Arts Hotel... Um, I, I had a kind of a quick pop-up opportunity happen. Um, the pieces that I had, um, were actually perfect for the space. And so they reached out and they're like, oh, I think we can fit you in for a solo show in May. And so I definitely took that, uh, opportunity. Um, and I will have a video by the time this is out, there'll be a video. So you guys can see a, a walkthrough of, uh, the On God Arts Hotel solo show called Living Residence by Nicole Cooper. Um, or paintings by Nicole Cooper. That was it. Yeah. So, so right now I, I'm like marketing mode and, uh, I'm actually also, I guess I could announce this a little bit. I'm also re like working on prints to release after the show is over, probably by July, I'll have a handful of, uh, of, fi of like fine art gicle prints that are going to be available. So if anybody is interested in getting prints, they will be available or originals. Originals are also available, <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's exciting. the phase. Yeah. I think it's interesting uh, to clear up the misconception, misconception, at least that I get a lot that I'm sitting in my studio painting 24 mm seven. -mm. That's, I don't know if no. people say that to you, but that's what everyone seems to think. Like, well, Instagram is. tells us that too, doesn't it? And you I know? guess we tell people that. Yeah, it's it's the <laughs> it's the pretty things that people want to see on Instagram is like the hard work that you put in there. Yeah. yeah. And actually I I I've only a little bit been down in the studio since what is it now? May. I've only been down there a little bit since my show. So I had I actually I had two shows this year, two solo shows. Um January, probably. Yeah, yeah, because I finished up my last painting in January. And it's only been, like, little stuff here and there since then. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it was taking a little break. I gave myself a breather as well after my first solo show. <laughs> and then I had a second solo show. But um, I think that was really necessary because there's a whole lot of... A whole lot of mental drain that happens. Um, not, not because the... You know, not because I don't love painting. But it's, um, it was also COVID. <laughs> it was also during COVID, and that was really different for a lot of artists. Um, but, you know, I still worked. You know, I still um, had to do all the things regular people do and adapt to all this, like, change. And, um, yeah, I mean, painting, 
standing for long hours on concrete or uh, or wood. You know, my I work between my basement studio and I have a studio over in Maplewood. So like one has a wood floor and one, but it doesn't matter. You know, standing for long periods of time and um, it's really it's really uh, hard on your body. Yeah. You know, moving back and forth, pick, moving artwork. Um, it's just, yeah. And then, um, you know, working a working a day job and then going in and fitting, you know, working a full day and then fitting three hours in at night. You know, by that time, your brain's kind of just like fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you it's basically keep like having two jobs. Yeah, two full-time <laughs> jobs. <laughs> it's very much like that. Yeah, that's... So tell us more, how does your day job relate to your work? Yeah. And I know you do have a really to. cool job. I've heard bits <laughs> and pieces about it, uh, but I actually, I don't know exactly what no, you do. Okay. Something to do with sustainability? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, while, so my my art practice actually led me to become more of a climate advocate. And um, I should probably start there and then talk about where it led me. Um, yeah. So when you look at, I think I mentioned before, you know, when you look at evolution and um, the history of life and you look at it over these giant spans of time, you start realizing how different our period of time is right now. So for instance, if you're looking at um, a temperature, uh, you know, temperature chart, um, like we're in, a time in the earth's history that is hotter it's, it's hotter and it's happening faster than it ever has in history the history of the earth people <laughs> like ever <laughs> and that is a wake-up call and so my artwork for my show uh, in january at fontbonne uh, fontbonne university it was called pivotal um and i'm looking at a poster of it right now <laughs> over your head <laughs> so it's called pivotal recent paintings by nicole cooper and in that painting i actually was really um i shifted from um kind of using what i knew and 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 thinking about connection and um the figure in that sense but i pushed it a little bit more into um uh i, I was looking at the parts of our body as places where we associate like emotion and um, like for instance so like your heart you feel love or compassion or um, you would feel heartbreak or heartache right um, and your gut is uh, somewhere you would feel feelings of like instinct or um, uh, like their breath breath is this thing that I actually painted about a lot um, because it's a physical act that could actually affect your mental state you know it can calm you or excite you or um, and so with the work in this show, um, I was sort of looking at change and being prepared for change, like emotional preparedness, because here we have a planet that is changing around us and it's because of us. It's definitely because of us. That's a fact, that's, that's not fiction. Um, we need to find the inner change to really adapt to that, to like, first of all, you know, cause I think you have to make these, um, you have to get past a lot of stuff. You get, gotta get past a lot of like guilt maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> or anger or fear in order to like say, okay, here's how we move forward. And like, for instance, I think it was written that, um, I can't remember who wrote it uh, or is in a podcast. I don't remember now, but um, so one of the ways that we're affecting the world is like, we're going through a mass extinction. 
and it's the fifth math or sorry sixth <laughs> the sixth mass extinction there's literally only been like five before this um in the history of life and it's really sad because all of these creatures are being pushed away you know they're affected by the climate you know that or they're being moved because of deforestation or um it's really super sad and there's a lot of grief that I think people need to get through in order to get to the next phase of like, what are we going to do? Um, and keep in mind that those paintings are also created in a, in a different, um, we had different leadership at that point in a different mentality. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm happy to see where things have gone, but, um, I'm, I'm happy to see that we're addressing the problems as problems and finding solutions. And I think that's important. So this leads me to the next thing. So in doing this, you know, I had kind of a, oh shit moment of, well, what am I gonna do about this? You know, I don't wanna just sit around and wait for, you know, wait for some solution to just magically appear. You know, I need to be painting about it first off, you know, cause that's how I think, you, you think and you paint, you know. Um, what am I going to do? Because painting can only get you so far. So what I'm kind of thinking about is how do I have a whole life solution? <laughs> you know, how do I make my life benefit um, or combat, I should say, climate change? And so I um, I was already, my day job was already in uh, design and video and um, art direction, that kind of stuff. And so I, um, yeah, I, I went on and I actually looked for companies that were working towards sustainability. And I happened to find um, a company called Straight Up Solar, and they're they're a hugely hugely values driven company. They have these clear values, and it, it, I was very impressed with just the mentality of the people that work there. Like everybody is literally like, "I'm a part of the solution. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna help spread solar for um, yeah to help." combat like climate change. And a lot of people have a lot of different backgrounds from there. And I'm just inspired by all those people every day. So I'm on the team as um, I'm a marketing manager there. Um, and I get to, I get to um, encourage people and get people excited about going solar and adding solar to their homes. So it's very, it's Aww. actually very cool. People really get really into it and they really love it. So yeah. So that's my day job. It really ties into actually moving, you know, physically sort of moving our region over towards sustainability and clean energy, where my artwork is sort of addressing it from um, a more emotional side. Yeah. I think yeah, that describes it. That's so it's very really cool. interesting. So do you think your paintings are almost like representing like the processing of that emotion? I think that's where they what they became. It wasn't necessarily what I intended when I started out. It was just like, okay, let's put some things here. Like, um, I had some ideas on how I wanted them to go. And I had color, you know, red. Red is a color throughout that whole thing because I was feeling alarmed. I was, you know, <laughs> I think red is the color that we should all be thinking about because, you know, this is when, you know, this is when uh, California is on fire. And like, we're. Ha I mean, we have all these problems and it's blaring us in the face and so red kind of became this reflection of maybe a disaster that's sort of far away far ahead of you maybe or, but maybe not so far <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's so cool how you were able to like take 
those darker emotions and transform them into something meaningful and something where you're actually doing something. Yeah. You know, instead of just sitting in it and yeah. getting stuck there. Well, I hope happen. that's what they help other people do. Because I think for me, they, I think artists make work selfishly in a sense, but also um, with the idea that it would help other people. And um, yeah, I, I think that they very much traced my process of figuring out, you know, like me processing like, okay, how am I going to change? Because I need to change these behaviors. I need to like figure out how to be a promoter and how to like change. Change is really the word. Change, transformation. Um, it kind of already fit into the feel of the work that I was doing because transformation is very much part of that. And so it just naturally came together. And, and as I was painting the last few paintings, you know, toward that show, you know, of, the, of that grouping, it was like, oh, that's what these are. <laughs> I had the intent there, but until later, I kind of like logically worked out like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, these were <laughs> these are about me processing some things. But I think they're things that are in the air. I think they're things that other people are definitely dealing with as well. Do you have any other ideas for how you might be incorporating sustainability or climate change into your art in the future? Because I could, I could see I how do. there might be some. I do. I do. Actually, I brought a thing to share. Um, so I, I, uh, I have these. Okay. So I'm looking at, I'm looking a lot at, um, I work in solar, right? So looking at how we maybe transform our energy use um, or how we, like, what are solutions that, what are some solutions that I as an artist can either promote or um, help people think differently about or adapt or that kind of stuff? Um, and what's already out there in a way. And so in some of the research that I did, I was looking into carbon capture, um, which I mean, I know it's carbon capture is one of those uh, solutions that's very debated. Um, but it's super interesting. It's, it's basically uh, actually I'm going to read to you off of these. There was an artist. Her name is Annalie Levin. And I heard a podcast um, that she had, she was on, and she actually partnered up with Carbon Captured, uh, wait, was it? No, 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 sorry. She she partnered up with Carbon Upcycling Technology. And what they do is um, they, it's in some way, they, they capture carbon from these industrial processes, from what I understand. They capture that carbon instead of going into the atmosphere, and then they, then they take it and they, uh, what is the word? It's not sequestered. Maybe it is sequestered. Well, they, they basically capture it into a solid, stable state so that it's not going up into the air. And uh, and th so this artist was really fascinated by this, Annalie. Um, and so she actually made these crayons. She got some of the material from a company. And you can actually write the company. I've already written them. Um, but I, I have yet to, um, to connect. But uh, she made crayons with carbon captured carbon so you could actually buy them at her studio it's captured carbon dot studio um i guess she's out of san francisco and she hand makes she takes these these this carbon material and she's actually keeps bees as well and she mixes it with like um beeswax and makes these cool crayons and i have a package right here i think she even hand makes the packaging and it's also recycled material or or upcycled um yeah, they're really cool. And on the back is this quote. It says, it's um, our Buckminster Fuller famously said, pollution oh. is nothing but the resources we are not harvesting. I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, that's super clever. Yeah, so my next little venture in my studio is just to play, play with these, you know, these crayons and make something. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Do you have a dream project? <laughs> Good question. Do I have a dream project? I don't have... I don't have the vision for it yet, but I think it's going to evolve. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to have some kind of project that unites action and art. And I would really like to work with um, some kind of organization, um, sort of like how this artist worked with um, worked with a carbon capture company. Um, yeah, just to potentially increase the scale at which, you know, I can reach people in a sense. Um, yeah, but I don't quite know what that is. Um, but I am interested in moving past painting and possibly working more with, um, like think considering materials and, um, doing more like installation style things or, um, or even, even just like little, like this is so simple. She, this artist sells crayons, you know, that are carbon captured to get people excited about it. And to spread the like the knowledge about it. So even something simple like that. Um, yeah, but I, I think part of my, my mission is to figure out a way to put those together. You know. Well, that sounds like a good goal. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure so. you'll figure out like a million things to do with it. <laughs> Me too. I, I know hope you so. will. I hope it comes along. I guess I got to just start looking and trust that I'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like a pretty solid idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have some like more specific fun ideas with that, but I'm like, I don't even know if that would work. So, yeah. Well, I I, I can't wait to see what it's going to be because I've never seen you do anything other than painting. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe you do in your studio, but I've never yeah. even I've never seen you do sculpture or installations or. Yeah, like, actually, I did have a piece. Uh, it was like. You maybe didn't realize that it was my piece because it wasn't a, uh, yeah. So <laughs> at, my, at my show in Pivotal, um, I, I put a piece in there that was, it was a mask and it was, um, it was, <laughs> it was about, um, it's about coral bleaching and like pollution in the oceans and uh, uh, the, you know, some of the issues. And so it was, it was a mask and I'd actually made it for, uh, I was invited to do a show before COVID, you know, the, the irony that it was called masked, but it was before COVID and it ended up getting canceled. But, uh, but I still, I had an idea for the mask that I wanted to make for it. And I just went ahead and made it anyway. So I took, um, I upcycled, uh, all kinds of, you know, plastic bags and, uh, containers and like plastics, mostly, I, I think most everything was plastic or had plastic in it at some point. Uh, and I made this, uh, it was like a paper mache mask. And then I put this like netting over it. And um, I used um, um, it, all, all the materials were white. And there was some red, um, because red was my like theme of the year. So um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it without showing it. But it's yeah, it's got a lot of it, it's it's basically a mask that looks it's got corally forms because I, I trimmed and cut some um, styrofoam and made it look like coral forms. But oh. it, then I've got these um, I took bags like white plastic bags and uh, it kind of glued them down. But they have these fin like looks to them. So it, it looks almost like a creature from the Black Lagoon. 
in a way. <laughs> um, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And then I, I bet put I a, didn't realize that was yours. Yeah. Well, I, I was in the show with the, the other artist was an assemblage artist. So I can see where there would be confusion because it was kind of an assemblage. Um, yeah. But then it had the, um, and then I put a viewfinder, like those, those red viewfinders that when I was a kid, you know, before we had cell, you know, cell phones or anything, we had these cute little viewfinders and they were red and you would put your eyes up to them and you'd have that circle little slide that you would put in there. And there was a little, on the, the right side, there was a little um, lever that you would, uh, you would push and it would move slide to slide and you would look against the light in the background. And so it would look like a 3D image of whatever was on the slide. And so on this one, I actually glued that to the eye portion of the mask. And the slide on it was these like very pristine looking um, seascapes, you know, like uh, a little too pristine in my opinion, but um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a little bit about maybe the realities versus the, the, the childhood. Um, maybe a naive thought of what the oceans are and what the reality of them is. So that's kind of, that's what that piece was about, but yeah. yeah. And it was intended to be worn, but like anybody's ever going to put a public mask on their face anymore. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, if. <laughs> You know, if it says touch the art exhibit, I touch it. Yeah, you could. For sure. <laughs> Just want to make sure you yeah. don't want to break it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like next time I might need to make it a little more durable. It was my first, it was my first uh, uh, mask assemblage. So, you know, it is what it is. But it was, it was a really fun one to make. Yeah. Different challenges than painting. Yeah. No, it sounds like you're going to be going on an interesting adventure in the next coming years. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Which is super cool. I'm wondering, it, like, so at what point in your life did you know that you were going to be an artist? Well, my answer to that is boring. It's, <laughs> uh, I was always going to be an artist from a very young age. Like, it, I really? was just, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's every artist, though, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. No? No, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Well, no, yeah, I, I don't was, know if I've met any yet. <laughs> really? Oh, I feel like that was the standard answer. I've heard people say, like, don't put that in your bio because it's a... Nobody well, will from take the you people seriously. I've talked to, that's that's different, actually. Is it? Oh, yeah, no. Okay, yeah. Well, then, then yes, I always wanted to be an artist. Um, I remember in first grade, I wanted to be an artist or astronaut. <laughs> but that was first grade, you know, and then I uh, moved away from astronaut and artists just seemed to make more sense. So, yeah, yeah, pretty much always. So were you like going to art museums even at a very young age and just always fascinated by the whole art process or was it more just like you making things? It was me making things. Yeah. I, well, I grew up um, uh, not in, not in St. Louis City, but like outside, like maybe an hour outside of St. Louis. And so we I mean, we'd gone to the art museum maybe here and there, but um, not a whole lot necessarily. Um, yeah, mine was mostly just drawing. I was just always drawing and cutting um cutting up pieces of cardboard and making things, which sounds kind of a lot like what I was doing with that mask piece. But um, yeah, very like we always had a craft box that we could, you know, use use toilet paper rolls. And, you know, you'd make like, oh, these are uh, binoculars now. And uh, I, I was making these little toy houses for my sister because she was younger. I had a younger sister. Um, but then just always drawing. Yeah. Yeah. All, and even th and in high school, it turned into like dragons and fairies and that kind of that kind of stuff. But anim <laughs> not so anime? much anymore. Not an uh, that. I didn't know what anime was, actually. Oh, I don't, I don't know if that was a thing. <laughs> well, it, not in my brain and in 
my neck of the woods, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about anime. Um, but yeah, I was drawing that kind of stuff. It was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a boring answer. I think it's oh. really cool to hear from somebody that, like, you, you knew what you wanted to do and you did mm -hmm. it. Yeah, true, true. Well, I'm, you know, still working on that, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on the way, I guess you could say. I think you've done it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're like, uh uh, you're there, girl. <laughs> Well, thank you. you. I appreciate the box that. Now. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Well, it's not over yet. No, no, no. More it's, to it's come. It's just beginning. But yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's cool. Yeah. And <laughs> so out of all the things that you've done, uh, what has been like your most, your biggest accomplishment or the thing that you're most proud of? Oh. It doesn't have to be yeah. like just art either. Uh Oh, I'd have to have to think that through a little well I definitely would say uh well, this is this is an art thing but um I had a show at um it was called Interwoven back at um the Schmidt Arts Center which was uh part of uh SWIC so Southwest Illinois College and it was my first big solo show and that space was huge I mean it was it was a very big space. And I am incredibly proud of myself for creating the work that I did for that, but in the time, <laughs> like the amount of time, like the, 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 that show and prepping for that show really set a lot of processes in place for me and made me feel like a professional for sure. And the space was beautiful. Oh my gosh. I was so happy when they were like, yeah, you can have a show here. I'm like, really? I can have a show here. And then it was like, oh God, I got to fill this show. But that is where I made some of my most ambitious um, sized paintings, at least. Um, that's where actually I made uh, that uh, woven in time painting that's 10 feet. I made that for that. And then um, a lot of large pieces. So I'm, I'm probably most proud of uh, fulfilling my goals for that show. Yeah. I'm sad that I only saw pictures, but it looked amazing. Oh, I think I do. I have some more video. Actually, I have some old videos that I'm going to post on that because I had um, I worked with a video production company, um, Silverback at that time, and uh, they were nice enough to come and shoot some video and I still got to get it posted. But yeah, I'll launch some more videos so that there's more out there on my YouTube or my um, website, either way. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay. Because yeah. I do know like with paintings, it's so much better to see them on video than in a photograph, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in person first. Then well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in person first, for sure. <laughs> if you can't see them. But nah, that, that goes unsaid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to be able to walk up to a painting. You know, like, if you can't be there, you know, to actually, like, have a video that'll walk up and you'll get to kind of walk around it. And sometimes mm -hmm. even, like, seeing it from a different angle helps you kind of understand the piece a little more. So I, I, I could see that for sure. Do you have any misconceptions about being an artist or about your own art that you would like to clear up for anyone listening? Hmm. Yes. I, um, I get really annoyed at the like starving artist. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe a lot of artists talk about this. I don't know. Um, I actually have two, two that I would like to talk about. Uh, I think you can absolutely make a living as an artist. Um, you know, I think art, art is one of those really unique 
unique careers that you literally build for yourself because no, no art business looks, <laughs> it doesn't really, I mean, they're, they're, they're all so different and it varies like no other career path really. Um, because you can meld it with other things. Um, anyway, so I think you absolutely can. I'm still working towards a lot of that. Um, but I have a plan. I think as long as you have a plan, I think that's good. The other thing that I, you know, for any would-be artists out there, I highly recommend taking a business class at some point or getting educated on um, running a business because it is a business. It totally is. I mean, I, like you had said, you know, I think everybody has this vision of 24-7 working in your studio the whole time. But like, how would anybody hear about you? How would anybody know what you were doing? How, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, communication and promotion and uh, all this stuff that you need to be familiar with in order to get your work in front of the people that you want to see it. Um, yeah, and, and business and or marketing. Well, probably business to like set the structure. But um, yeah, I mean, there's like, it, it's it's totally a business. Um, but it's the coolest business that you could be in, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Because literally no one's going to see anyone's art if you're just in your studio. Yeah. I well, in these days, I don't think you can just depend on like, oh, well, I'll get a gallery and the gallery will do it. I mean, don't you want to build it? Why are you making the work if you don't want to build the relationships with people and like get yourself get yourself out there, you know, and then be able to also like financially sustain the business so that you yeah. can do the work. You know, like that's the whole point. If you want to. If you want to be in your studio all day and paint, you got to work to get there. You know, you got to pay the rent in the studio. You got to buy the supplies. You got to, like, do all the things that are um, necessary to making the work that you want to make. Yeah. And get help from people. I mean, ask your artist friends. Uh, there's all kinds of, in St. Louis, there's all kinds of free resources, you know, free or, or relatively inexpensive resources. Um That'll either, you know, give you grants, you know, you got to do, I mean, oh my God, I've written a lot of grants. Um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of organizations that offer free classes, free education, uh, free money if you can put in the time to write the, write the proposals. And um, I think all artists should really be looking at all of those because then even, even if you don't get some of those, it's, it's all learning and it's all, you're growing, you're growing your business. Yeah. I've written a lot of things. I don't know if anyone even read them. But <laughs> you write a lot of books. You never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know when you don't get a response sometimes. That happens. Well, but, you know, you wrote it. But it's it. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the process of writing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Writing. Yeah, writing. I tried to write. And I, I did, actually. I published one thing. But I don't think that that's for me. <laughs> I don't mind, you know, mind. So you have a gift. <laughs> you have a gift that you should definitely... Uh, uh, work, keep, keep going. Oh, interesting. Well, <laughs> For writing? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd written a couple blog articles yeah. for Art St. Louis, which I really enjoyed, uh, but I think I'm preferring the podcast. Yeah, well, it's an evolution of a blog, you know, in a kind of sense. Um, and it's, I listen to podcasts in my studio all the time. Yeah, I do too. A and lot. I, I, I like that it's like real time. Yeah. And then you can just, like, put it out there. It's more raw. Because mm -hmm. what I was trying to capture in my writing was the rawness. 
of the artist's life. Yeah. And it's not that that's impossible. I mean, if I was a full-time writer, I'm sure I would like it too. But yeah. When you got 10 other things <laughs> to I, do. <laughs> I totally agree. Well, but thank then, you though. <laughs> yeah. And well, and, and I think this podcast is great as well. I mean, like, I think this is the way people are digesting information. You know, like you're very much responding to your time. Well, not literally, literally the amount of time you have, you know, yeah. but also you're responding to what people are doing. You know, this is what totally what people are doing right now. I think it's really interesting what you were saying about communication. I think, mm-hmm. I think that might be one of the bigger keys to business and marketing mm-hmm. with the, the whole art concept. Because if you think about it, art, is communication. And so it's kind of just taking that from a different lens and saying, okay, mm-hmm. you have to communicate at this level, but at least in the society we live in now, you also have to communicate that like in a slightly different language, just to like open the door for people to be able to come in and see your actual work. Totally. So that's kind of the totally. way I view it. Well, cause uh, you, ha- you have to, because you're putting the work uh, through a different lens. You know, like, so let's say you're posting on Instagram. Well, unless they can see the work in person, you know, like that's, that's the, the way to entice people to come in and see, you know, that, oh, what is, the, oh, well, hey, this artist, oh, they show locally. Awesome. I'm going to go see their paintings in person, you know, like, um, and it also opens the door for audiences that are national, international. Um, it's, it's a whole different art world than it used to be. And you just have to be able to respond to it and, uh. And communicate that. And, you, and in, you know, if you're going to do it through photos or videos of your work um, or writing, I mean, like people learn in different ways as well. And so I think some people might need that um, context to enter the work and then start, um, you know, pulling at it and kind of digesting um, meaning out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Context. Thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. This is this. Uh, really fun. <laughs> You're in charge of giving the listeners a weekly challenge. I definitely have one. I, de- I definitely. Okay, so I thought about this uh, and it took me two seconds. Um, I challenge you guys to find one thing you can do to positively influence um, the, the environment or uh, to positively contribute towards Hold on. I should rephrase this. <laughs> I challenge the audience to find one thing you can do uh, to combat climate change. And I have a resource that you can go to that will help you find uh, everyday things that you can do. It is uh, there's something called Project Drawdown. Uh, and they were they partnered up with this uh, eco challenge. And actually, I've been doing eco challenges. They're usually like month long challenges um, where they actually give you the most uh, impactful ways that you can combat climate change into everyday things. And it, it, it ranges from like, um, like one of the things that I did was just keep a food log of how much food waste you have because food, like a third of the food, something, something like crazy, like a third of the food that's out there is like lost, um, and never eaten. And so, um, just trying to cut down on that could actually help reduce the, the carbon footprint, uh, that, that produces that. Um, or it's all, it's things like learning, um, so if you go to the Project Drawdown website, it's drawdown.org. They have a lot of different education materials and tasks that you can do um, to benefit the environment. And hopefully you'll choose something that's maybe a habit and it will help you learn a different habit. 
Oh, I love that challenge. And thank you so much for bringing the resource, too, because now you can really get to this right away. And as I've been mentioning over the last couple months, almost it seems like a couple months now, if you guys do the challenge and you have an experience or you learn something, please send me an email or write a comment. Um, and I'm going to be including follow-up um, in a future episode of the Archives Archives for Aliens. So I think that is all. Very cool. Thank you so much. This, um, was, uh, this was really, really fun. And one more thing. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would like to promote or share or where can we send people to support you and your yeah. lovely art? Yes, I have a, a website, NicoleCooperArtist.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Nicole Cooper Artist. And I also have an email list. If you guys want to stay up to date on any upcoming shows or anything like that, uh, you can hop on my website and sign up for it there. I also am going to be launching some prints. So hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll have a few avail available on the website. So um, yeah. Um, and if you guys have any questions, just reach out to me. You can reach out via my website, Instagram, whatever. Oh, thank you so much. I know yeah. you're seriously, you're like a giant resource of... <laughs> art life art logistics just like all the you know the background stuff that's going on yeah so I yeah. think this I mean, will really any, help a lot of people out there I hope so I mean if anybody has questions about like organizing their practice or whatever if I have an answer I, I'll give it to you very cool and I will talk to you guys again next week for more archives for aliens woo